Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm Colby. And uh, I just want to welcome wherever you're at. Thanks for being with us. We know this is a very challenging time. When we came here to plant a church, you know, about a year and a half ago, we were never expecting to face a pandemic, to face the news that we'd have to, to postpone our physical launch of our service. But I think more than ever, our church is still a movement of people around a message, and that message is Jesus. About a year and a half ago, my wife and I, we sat in a, in a room in Calgary, and we were being assessed, assessed by a whole room full of people on whether or not we were like called to plant a church in Kelowna. People were actually, they were like almost like turning every little rock in our lives to, to see if actually we were called to do this. If that we, we had passion and purpose to, to plant, to start a church in Kelowna. When we passed that assessment, I remember driving home and figuring out how to tell my kids and my parents, and my church. I'll never forget a phone call. I called a friend up, uh, a friend of mine, and he, I said, hey, uh, I, I, we're going to go plant a church in Kelowna. I'm really excited. And my friend is running a huge business, super successful. And he paused on the phone, and he goes, are you sure you want to plant a church? I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, see, I think you could run a great business. I think you could do other things to show people that God loves them other than a church. He's like, do we need another church? I think what he's saying here is that he was burned out on religion. He was tired of the, the methodology of the church he didn't have a problem with Jesus, but he had a problem with the church. I think for a lot of people in Kelowna, I think for a lot of people that I've came encounter with in Kelowna have struggles with churches. Right? I think I asked the question, like, why is this God's way of advancing the mission, the, the message? Like, couldn't the creator of the universe do a better job of communicating his message than using, than using broken people like you and I. Over the next few, few months, until we launch a physical service, which we believe that we will launch a physical service in 2021, then we're going to look at the book of Acts. It's Acts of the Apostles. And we would love for you to join us in this journey that we are calling the series Sent, that it's people sent in Christ's power, in his presence. But really, when you look at this, this book, Acts of the Apostles, it's written by a physician. It's written by a friend of Paul's, Luke. You look back, it's the gospel according to Luke, but that's his part one. But this is like the part two. It's a sequel to, you know, Jesus' his works and his teaching. This is actually the power and the presence of Christ in the world embodied through people through the church. It was roughly written around 60 to 62 AD, and actually it's, 
they can kind of pinpoint this because after Paul's imprisonment, the book abruptly ends. And so that's where scholars can kind of like deduce and kind of figure out, like, this is where actually they get this authorship is that it's written by Luke, a sequel to his, his gospel. That I always wonder, like, how come if it's a sequel, why don't they just put them right together? Right? Like, I was asking my wife this the other day, it's like, how come the order of the gospels isn't, you know, Matthew, Mark, John, and then Luke, and then Acts, right? Like, it's just this interesting piece where if this is a, a second part to it, when we read through the Gospels and read through the New Testament, it just looks so disjointed. But wherever you're at, people have had a, have had a struggle with the way the church has lived out, not the mission, but the method. You see, I think for us that when we're looking at the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, that there's always been a mission to the church. We talked about this last week about the Great Commission, that there is a commission for you and for I to make disciples. This wasn't just like a, hey, if you feel like it today, you have to go and make a disciple. Hey, if you feel spiritual enough, go do this. What he's saying, Jesus is saying is, if you're one of my people, if you're my follower, if you're a disciple of mine, I want you to go and make a disciple. See, that's the mission of the church, is to reach people. But I think the method of the church has always been changing for the last 2,000 years, and that's where people get mixed up on. That's where people struggle with the church. That's why in the Reformation in the 1600s, there's a split. Because we struggled and we, we wrestled with the, the method of the church. See, the Bible talks a little bit about method, but it really talks about the mission. And that's even the reason why in, in 2021, people are still debating about the method of the church, how it looks like, how it structures. Should it be in homes? Should it be a big gathering? Should it be a mega church? We would say for the mission in Kelowna to reach people, yes. I think we need multiple avenues. Like I said last week, there's 130,000 people in Kelowna proper in only 85 churches. If all those people, say even half those people want to go to church on a Sunday, there's just no room for them. You see, the, the followers of Jesus always had a mission. But the methods have adapted and changed over the last 2,000 years. But we want to talk about what does that mission look like for us in Kelowna? What does it look like for you wherever you're at? What is the mission look like for Live Free Church in 2021. So love for us to start in Acts chapter 1. If you have a Bible, open it up. We're using the CSB. We think it's the most accurate, readable translation on the market. And so go there, Acts chapter 1, verse 1, and we'll go right to, to verse 5. This is Luke writing. He says, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard 
may speak about, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. You see, I think there's, there's one question here that, that Luke is proposing, one question that Luke is talking about, is that what is Christianity all about? Right? What's the, the mission of the church moving forward? Like, yeah, Jesus gave us the great commission, but what does it look like when people are embodied this mission? I think so often the average person will say, well, everybody knows what Christianity is about. Like when we talked about moving to Kelowna Plant Church, people are said, well, there's enough churches there. I think what people are assuming, especially Christians, they're assuming that people already know what the mission is. You look at our society that in Canada, we're a very secularized society. And the average person says, well, there is some sort of religious background that people have an idea of what, of what Christianity is about. Even if it is a bad portrayal of what Christianity is about, people have an idea of what it looks like. See, I think that most often the average person will say, well, I know what Christianity is about. You know, we don't have to go back and revisit it. That, that when you look at Christianity, it's very simple, right? It's about God, the fact that God loves you, that Jesus came to forgive us, he died for us to forgive us so we can forgive other people. Right? We're supposed to live lives of, of love. And people say, well, what's the big deal about that? Right? Everybody knows what, what kind of Christianity is for or about, but, but just listen to me for a second, okay? How could it be that in Acts when these people are sent, that there's such a movement, there's such a power and presence of Christ, there's a power and presence of the Holy Spirit in us that transforms and changes the culture. Like, have you seen it over the years? Have you seen something like what the Christian church did to the Roman Empire? Or in the, the 18th century in, in London and in England, the Great Awakening? Have you seen a movement like that? Where it swept up millions of people into a peace and a joy that they've never known before? Have you seen it transform society? I don't mean like people pushing into a Capitol building in a riot. I mean people transformed and changed with radical peace and joy in their life. Have you ever seen it run through the community? Christianity just popping up, spreading all over the place. I haven't seen that. And I think that's why when we look at our culture and say, well, people understand it, but they're just not choosing it. I think at, at best, most people look at Christianity and say, At the worst end of, of Christianity, I see a, a narrow, guilt-producing institution. And at best, people see Christianity as a kind of comforting thing that you use when you're in trouble, when you're in a pit, when you're in despair. You use it as a crutch. But that can't be the original intent of the church. It's not just like a guilt inducing institution. It's not just like a, a crutch for when things are tough. We look at the purpose. Luke writes it pretty clearly in verse 1 to 5, and it says, 
right away in my former book, Theophilus, because Luke wrote a gospel about the life of Jesus. He said, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken to heaven. See, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and women who gave, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. They appeared to them over 40 days and spoke about a new kingdom, a kingdom of God. See, he wrote and said here, now look, I wrote to you all that Jesus began to do and teach. See, first of all, you think you have to realize that Jesus, the essence of Christianity, is that it's about something that Jesus already began to do. That's something that Jesus has already done. He's completed something that has happened in Luke's first book. What he's trying to say here is that the reason why Christianity is so crucial and so different than any other religion is because it's what Christ has done. It's not about what you and I are going to do. I think it's so often the case for the average person to say, well, I think Christianity is good for a lot of people. I think Christianity is wonderful, a wonderful model of forgiveness and love. It's wonderful, but then they say, I believe that that all good people, no matter who they are, where they're at, can reach God whether you believe in Jesus or not. That people so often say that, I think Jesus is good for many people and it's a wonderful story, but all good people can come to God. I think when we look at our culture, we look at our secular, secular society, that the reason why Christianity is dead to a certain degree in so many churches and institutions across North America and that's the reason why we want to plant churches. Is because as Luke is saying here in the very beginning of this book, that it's not about being good. It's not at first about anything that you and I do at all. It's what Christ has done. It's what he's starting. He started a work, and it's good. Our faith in Christ isn't something that we achieve, but we receive. It makes us ask the question of what has he done? What has Christ done? And this is what Luke is saying to his friend, Theophilus. He says, first he suffered. He taught and he suffered. You see, Jesus show, comes up and he, he shows himself to have been one of the most influential people in our society, in our culture, in the history of the world. But he's the one who suffered and the one who rises from the dead. See, as a result, what Jesus do, does is he actually accomplishes salvation for us, for you and for I. It's what he began to do. You notice in this, it says he began a work. You see, I think for us, we should, we should see that the fact that he began something, that he's going to work it to completion in our lives. It's what Jesus began to do and teach. I think what a wonderful word that is. Luke is telling us something that every, the founder of every other major religion is saying that you have to do something to achieve your salvation. And Luke is saying here is that it's been done for you. So I think the first thing you have to realize is that what did Jesus do? He taught, he suffered, he died. But the second thing is that he actually is alive. 
See, part of the essence of the original genius of Christianity was that Jesus was not just dead and risen, but he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's been taken up. See, what does that mean? It doesn't mean he's going to escape this place or to escape you and I, to escape broken, sinful people. That's the kind of the beautiful thing about this text is that he's ascended so we continue on the mission that he started. See, he's only begun. In other words, he's just starting what he wants to bring about in this world. His mission has just started in his death and his resurrection. See, in John 16, he says, I, Jesus says, I have, I, have, I have to go up so I can send the Holy Spirit to you. See, what he's saying here in another gospel, that you will do greater deeds than I. See, what he's saying here is that the ascension doesn't mean that he's no longer here with us. The ascension means that Jesus is all over the place. It means ascension means that, that we have the Holy Spirit in us, that we have the presence and the power of Jesus in us. See, I think his power, Jesus' power radiates from the throne out into the world through his people, people who put their faith and trust in him. The essence of Christianity is that he faced the nameless terror for us. And now he works from heaven through us. That's why it says in verse 5 that for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. See, what Jesus is saying to his people, saying to his followers, disciples, is that you will be a sent people. He's referring to his own baptism. Go back and read it. It's Jesus' commission. It's Jesus' moment where he's again pushed out into the world to start of his earthly ministry. And what he's saying here is that when the Holy Spirit, when you put your faith and trust in me, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, that you're not going to just sit at home and twiddle your fingers. Like you're going to actually go out and be sent. That Jesus is going to be present in us, that we're going to have Jesus' power in us. I think when you come to church, when you open your Bible, I think for a lot of people, they say, well, it's just great information. It's great information, but there's no transformation. There's no expectation that God's going to do anything. Right? You show up to church, and it's just like this religious duty that you just check off a list. Like, yep, my religious performance, I did that. I went to church, I read my Bible today, I'm doing whatever. But there's no expectation that you're going to have the presence and the power of Jesus in you because of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the truth that we've been talking about, about Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection and ascension, the truth about Jesus does not bring power it does not result in power. It does not lead to power. It is the power. You understand that? <laughs> like that's the power in us. I think most Christians uh, expect nothing. 
They expect Jesus not to be present and his power not to be in us. I think if you've been raised in the church or if you've had encounters with the church, at worst, you think it's a narrow, guilt-producing institution. At best, it's a crutch when you feel really down. There's no expectation. You wake up in the morning knowing and believing, but not expecting Jesus to do something in you. That there's a power in you. You know, you think about when you go to a concert, right? Like, I can't wait one day to go to a concert. I can't wait one day to go with Lori, my wife, to a concert to hear a band play with thousands of people, right? Like, I hope when you go, when I've been to a concert, I've seen like Mumford and Sons and Coldplay, when I'm seeing people live, people are sitting in lineup going, oh, it might be good. You know I mean, like you get to the venue and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't wait to see these people live. I wonder what it's going to be like, what it's going to feel like. I wonder what, like, there's so much expectations. You get through the gate, right? And you get into the building and you're just like, your heart's pumping. You're like, oh my goodness, I can't wait. You sit down and you're like, you're the opening act shows up and you're like, oh, how long do I have to wait to hear what I've been expecting for, waiting for, for so long? I think what Luke's telling us here is that so often, I think in 2020, we were just waiting for 2021 to get here. We're expecting something different, but what if in this moment, Jesus is saying, is, I am with you. That you have my presence and you have my power. What does that look like? I think it looks like repentance. It looks like humility. It looks like love, peace, patience, kindness. It doesn't look like being morally superior to other people. It looks like, as C.S. Lewis so famously states, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It means you have a new heart and a new mission that's marked and matched with Jesus. There's a famous story about a theologian, or no, a famous story from the 1800s, and it's this guy named David Hume. The 18th century British, British deistic philosopher who rejected historic Christianity. And a friend one day saw him, and he was walking down the street, and he's like, hey, David, where are you going? He goes, well, I'm going to listen to George Whitefield preach. And his friend said, well, surely you don't believe that. You don't believe what he's preaching, do you? And David Hume answers so famously, no, I don't, but he does. You see, he believes what he's preaching. He believes that there's a power and a presence that Jesus is in us, working through us. See, Hume, David Hume is moved, is moved to see the power of Christ displayed through someone else. Shown and lived out with passion and expectation. See, here's what I'd love to see for us, Live Free Church in Kelowna in 2021. A church, a people, 
expectant, passionate about the power and presence of Jesus. A boldness the Holy Spirit gives us, we'll talk about this in a little bit later on in Acts, as the apostles pray for a boldness. But I think for some of us that if you don't know Jesus, to get the presence and the power of Jesus, it means that you are repentant of your sin. Repenting of your identity that's found in anything else than what Jesus has done for you. But you know on the cross that you have a new identity, that you've, you haven't achieved anything, but you've received salvation, and it changes the, the desires of your heart. But I think if you're a Christian, it's also saying this year that I'm repentant, that I'm expecting nothing of Jesus. I'm expecting no power, no presence. I'm expecting no boldness. I'm just expecting my little mundane life where I go home and I just look through my social media accounts. But what Luke is saying is that the early church, the reason why it transformed and changed a culture, the history of the world was changed because it's based on what Christ did. And when we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have the power and the presence of Jesus in our lives every day. I'd love for, to pray with us as, as I need this as much as, as anyone else. But I would pray that I'd have in 2021 the presence of Jesus that I so deeply need, but also the power of Jesus to so boldly go into our world where people are so broken, lost, and alone in needing of hope. Hope that's found in not my, my achievement, but in something that Christ has achieved for me. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would be a people expectant of something that you're going to do. That, Father, I pray that I would feel your presence and your power. That I know that so often this past year in 2020, it felt like I was in a pit with no hope. As I'm reading through the Psalms, and I'm so often reminded over and over again, Lord, that you are my fortress, my shelter, that you are my rescuer. Father, I pray that we would see you work powerfully through people's lives this year in Kelowna, that we'd be a church not focused on a method, but a mission. Lord, help us, guide us, Help us to live expectant lives full of your presence and power this week, this month, this year. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.